Welcome to the Parenting with Confidence podcast. I'm your host, Teresa Alexander Inman, here today with Miss Meg George. Yay. Hi, thanks for having me. <laughs> Hi, Meg. And that should be Mrs. Meg George. I apologize, Meg. <laughs> All good. Yeah. Um, Meg is a mom, writer, speaker, and consultant in on impactful philanthropy, who finds fulfillment in educating the next generation of philanthropists on their power and joy, on the power and joy of generosity. Um, and I'm glad you put it that way because it is so joyful to be generous. So anyway, welcome, Meg. <laughs> thank you. And I agree. And thank you again. I'm, I'm excited to be here with you. You are so welcome. Yeah, that's not to say one of the cutest things I thought your husband's Phil and you guys are in philanthropy. I was like, <laughs> it is, it's a good match. He was, I tell him he was destined for the job. Yes. <laughs> so cool. Phil George, Phil George philanthropy. Love it. That's <laughs> a good ring to it. So, you know, I don't know if everybody knows what philanthropy is. So maybe we'll just enlighten people who don't, and then we can jump right into it. Yeah, that's a good starting point because growing up, I certainly did not ever hear the word and had no idea until I had a job in philanthropy what it was, but it's the acts of making the world a better place. The word itself, the the derivatives uh, of this word um, come down to love for mankind. Mm -hmm. So we can use the word in a lot of different senses around improving our communities, the people around us, our, our world itself. It has evolved to be something that has represented the movement of money charitable gifts, I would say that the word is used most often uh, in tie with making a contribution to a charitable organization. But for today's purposes and, and for everybody's kind of definition moving forward, I would love for people to think about the word really as a representation of the things that we do to improve our world. Beautiful, beautiful. Well said. Thank you so much. Now, why did you get into this line of work? Out of college, my very first job was as a fundraiser for a small liberal arts college in upstate New York, which was my alma mater. And they had a job opening for someone who would be what they refer to as a frontline fundraiser where you travel around to different cities, you meet alums, and you actually solicit them for a gift. So this is my first exposure ever to philanthropy, philanthropic activity, charitable giving at these levels. People were giving gifts of you know thousands and even millions of dollars during the time that I was there. And I had no idea that this even existed. So once I felt exposed to it and acquired a new skill set around meeting people and understanding their priorities around being charitable and actually making an ask of them to be charitable to the specific cause I was representing. I loved it. I felt like I found something that I was really good at, but that was also 
improving the world and making me feel fulfilled by what I was doing every day. And it required you to be kind of bold, a little forward and confident. And that pushed me outside of my comfort zone on so many occasions. And I started to live for the feeling of meeting another person and and seeing how I would engage them in this way. So ultimately, after a couple of jobs like that, my husband and I both left our jobs at institutions and founded our firm together. So now we really advise organizations on how to do what I just described really well so that they can raise the most amount of money that they're capable of. Wow, that is beautiful. And I mean, I've always seen, you know, sponsored by and la da da. And I'm like, you know, it's really cool, you know. However, inspiring other people to do the same is, I mean, just talking about it, got goosebumps, is such a beautiful thing. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I think we are around it all of the time, but we don't typically find ourselves in a class or a conversation where you're really learning what does that mean that they sponsored something or how does something like that even happen so I'm so hopeful and excited for my kids and everyone else rising up professionally to be able to learn more about that right awesome you said kids how do you teach your kids philanthropy and first of all how yeah so let's just go with that how do you teach your children to be philanthropic I think everyone can use what they're doing in their own life that makes the world a better place. As an example, Mm -hmm. I don't know who originally said this term, but I think about it often that our kids do what we do, not what we say. And they need to see that their parents are generous and that their parents feel fulfilled by giving back. And in the introduction that you read about me, I was really intentional to include the power and joy of generosity whenever I write about what I do, because what I want my kids to know is that giving back feels really good. So how do I teach my children specifically about philanthropy is by actually involving them in the philanthropic decisions that I make. Mm -hmm. I wrote as an example on the very last page of my book that we'll talk about today, that at the end of the year, when I'm thinking most about charity for whatever reason that does tend to be heaviest on a lot of people's minds at that time around the holiday season, I present to my kids three different nonprofit organizations that I think they would be kind of interested in. Mm -hmm. And I tell them what they do and why they need to raise money. And then I tell my kids how much money I'm personally willing to give. And I ask of them to give an amount that they choose. And sometimes it's been a dollar, which is okay. They need to make their own decision about that. And we kind of vote together as a family on just one organization and we pool our resources and we make the gift online or we've physically written a check and drove together to drop it off. And the power is in teaching and showing your children that organizations that we might actually hear about really often 
like a animal shelter, a homeless shelter, a food mm. bank, a private school where they attend, a library, a children's hospital. All of these places actually do rely on funding sources that in part relies on the generosity of our community. These concepts are just so complex and challenging to wrap our heads around. But when we can put it in bite-sized pieces for our kids and say, hey, our town's library, this organization and this you know, organization that welcomes refugees, um, those were the examples that we used this past Christmas, it actually sparked a conversation about why all three of those places would need money. And then once my kids chose a spot, they felt so invested in, in making this gift and in this spot, they wanted to root for this organization and know what their money would be used for. So I think in just giving a relatively small monetary gift, mm -hmm. we're sparking such an interesting conversation with our children that requires us to share a lot of information and them to pose a lot of questions to understand it, you know? Wow, that is just so beautiful. I honestly, this is the first time I've ever interviewed somebody who's in your business and, you know, teaching children how to be philanthropic. I mean, that is so powerful because raising the next generation of adults to be, you know, kind and to feel that power because sometimes I think giving is almost selfish because it feels so good to give. I know. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. yeah, it's true. It does. But I can see it now with my kids. So we've done this on a few different occasions, the process I just described. And we live in South Florida, um, where the homeless population is really kind of obvious because the weather is warm year round. And we live in a city. And when we are walking anywhere or driving anywhere, we do always pass homeless people. And when we were going to get something to eat recently a homeless man was standing outside the door of this very casual kind of quick restaurant and said can you get me something to eat and a million people not literally maybe 50 who knows had mm -hmm. walked in and out before us and my kids were like we have to get him something like they were dead set before getting their own food that they had to and I said to my husband afterwards like they already know how good it feels to give something of your give something of yours to someone else because we've pushed them to do it. Mm -hmm. So it's true what you just said. Part of their motivation was like, this is going to feel so good that we just fed this person we don't know. But let kids have that. Let that be part of their motivation because they're going to grow up and they won't break that habit. Yes, it's a great habit to develop. <laughs> You know, when so many people are concerned with getting and getting and getting, you know, because and that and children, right? Because children are self-centered and so they should be because, you know, they have to focus on getting their needs met and understanding that, you know, as parents, we're the need providers. We're the ones who meet those needs, you know, so they're so used to receiving, giving, even though I should say it comes naturally. However, if it's not modeled for them, it's not something that they will, you know, um, gravitate towards. Right. Yeah. yeah. So that is so cool, though. I love it. Now, what's the youngest age you think you can teach children philanthropy? I think we can use our time 
at a really young age to teach children that no one is too small to help do their part to make the world a better place. And I have children who are five and a half and seven and a half right now. And it's little things like going to the beach and picking up litter and seeing a toddler point to more things that should be picked up, um, showing them that they have things that they can't take for granted because you're telling them stories about other parts of the world, different generations within your own family where these things would have been such a luxury or could be, but they're not available. That That's not an option for these people. We've just always tried, I think, from a really young age to make it a natural part of what we discussed before bed when the kids want to keep talking and you really want them to go to bed, <laughs> how lucky we are and what that means to be fortunate, what it means to be less fortunate. And I've told my kids since they could listen that we have an obligation as people who get to live in this world as healthy, thriving human beings to make sure that other human beings have the best shot too. And that means giving up some of ourselves to make sure that other people have the chance as well. And I think it's just like anything. If it's a regular part of your conversation in the car or before bed or around reading books that have some component of generosity, kids do feel like it's normal because it's normal in your house. Right. That is awesome. Now, I live in a big city. This is just a, I'm just making this up. Okay. <laughs> and we don't have, you know, like financially it's not possible. We have other financial priorities. So giving financially is a challenge, right? And I get, you know, picking up garbage, but if we're on the streets of, you know, big city, New York, um, what can we do, you know, being financially, you know, having financial restrictions, you know, because of other priorities, what can, what can we do? You can find a nonprofit organization who relies heavily on volunteers to actually meet their budget. An example here in South Florida is an organization called the Quantum House. Mm -hmm. It's similar to a Ronald McDonald House. <laughs> It's situated on the same campus as a hospital and families who need to be nearby a child who's going through some kind of treatment or surgery, needs medical support, can mm -hmm. actually stay in the house for a really, um, you know, small fee every night with their whole family and they'll actually receive one warm meal a day. That one warm meal a day almost always comes from a family in this town, a business in this town, a company coming together, coming into their big kitchen and cooking it. Um, families who we know from our children's school have gone there on a Sunday with all of the supplies and made something. Yeah, mm -hmm. I get it. There's a cost to that. But I offer it as an example because even a place like the library might say, yeah, you know, if we didn't have 30 volunteers doing A, B, and C, our budget would be up. We would be asking people for more gifts or it would affect taxes. Mm -hmm. So I think that if you have a cause in mind that feels close to your heart, 
whether that is around reading or animals or ballet or homelessness or food security, going to a couple of organizations who typically do have someone who handles volunteers or some kind of community engagement and saying, hey, what could me and my kids do to help out? Or could we come in for a tour and learn a little more? It doesn't need to be an overwhelming task, like trying to pick up garbage or trying to feed everyone who's homeless. Mm -hmm. I think you'd feel even more fulfilled by being handed a task that you know that this nonprofit is really relying on to be successful. Nice. And you just thought of something while you were talking because, you know, children grow out of clothes really quickly. And if yeah. they learn maybe to give those clothes to somebody who might need it, like maybe that could spark. Totally. Feeling. We don't have to overthink it. We, we can explain to our children that when we donate something, this is a really significant part of the language that I use in the children's book I wrote that donating something means you won't get it back, but it also means that you're giving it to a person or a place who could use and benefit from it more than you can right now. And that just is a win for everybody. That, that doesn't always feel good. That benefits all of us when our things can get used to their greatest potential. Yes. Yes. Actually, you made me, I just thought of this family I used to work with and the little girl was five and mom said, actually, she wasn't five because she was still in preschool. And every Christmas she got to keep, you know, three or four gifts and give away the other. Because, you know, she had a lot and, you know, like why come, because, you know, even children who don't have much, you get all these gifts every year and then what happens, right? They just, yeah. you know, they just sit there. So she said, no, you pick out, you know, gifts that you want, and then we're going to give the rest away. Or even something that she may want, but she feels that she wants somebody to feel as good as she does, you know, receiving that. And I thought that was such a beautiful thing, you know, teaching somebody at such a young age that, you know, to be giving like that. Yeah, I love that. We, We tend to really have a lot of excess, that's for sure. Yes, yes. Yeah, absolutely. Now tell us a little bit about your book, please, ma'am. Okay, so thank you for asking. This is my basically third child, you know, I think at this point in this book, because it's been a real labor of love. I It will launch on Philanthropy Day, which is November 15th, and it's called What's Philanthropy to Philomena? It's a mouthful. I think the people who's the, the little girls whose names are Philomena will be the ones who are most thrilled about it. Everyone else will have to practice a, the title a couple of times, but it chronicles the journey of a young girl, Philomena, learning about the word philanthropy and the concept of being philanthropic. She hears her dad talking on the phone about this word and goes on to ask her brother and her mom and her aunt about what it what philanthropy really means and whether there's a place in the world for her this tiny girl to be generous and charitable and philanthropic Mm -hmm. and ultimately she finds that there is and my hope is that any child who hears the story will start to wonder and question how they can make the world a better place too and what their part is in being generous and making a difference but I also have to admit that I hope teachers and parents and grandparents and nannies, other caregivers who buy and read the book, 
wonder themselves too about how to further incorporate this word and the concept into the daily lives of children. That's what I'm really excited for. Right. Because as we know, if we model it, you know, like you said, it's not what we say, it's what we do. So if they see us doing it, you know, they catch the bug. Like I remember my grandmother, you know, I grew up in a little town. uh, Well, not, it's not even a town. So before moving to Toronto, I grew up in Dominica in a little village in Dominica. And my grandmother always made sure, you know, she would cook extra in case a stranger came into the village. So they would, you know, have, because we were one of the first few houses that they see when they first came in to our little village. Wow. Yeah. So she would always cook extra just because. And I remember one day uh, she and I were walking and I saw one of my friends wearing a dress that once was mine. And I was like, grandma, she said, don't say a word. And I understood that meant, you know, when you get like, you know, first of all, it's not like I wore it anymore. Right. And she donated, she gave it to this family. And here was this girl wearing the dress. And she was like, I can't believe that. You know, I have almost the exact same story with my own grandmother because she was a nurse at my elementary school. And there was a family who was really, really struggling. And I will never, ever forget seeing the girl walk down the hallway when I got to school with my grandmother. And I was about to say the same thing. And she held up her finger as, I mean, I have literally almost the exact same story from my childhood. So that's really funny. That is. (laughs) Yeah. But, you know, she just taught us we give no matter what. Because And the thing is, too, and you don't give to get, but when you give, what comes back, like I said, the feeling that you get, first of all, from giving is just so awesome. I've actually, I'm working on the practice of whenever I give to thank God that I had it to give. Oh, yeah. You know, I love and, that. It's like a yeah. gratitude mindfulness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I think we, um, my kids have been learning in school about fixed mindset versus growth mindset. And I really appreciate that because I do believe strongly in the idea of having a growth mindset in order to unlock your ability and your capacity to truly be generous. But that goes hand in hand as an adult with thinking about a scarcity mindset versus an abundance mindset. You can have the same amount of assets and, and money and circumstance, but if you can shift your perspective from it not being enough ever to you having way more than you need, you attract so much more. Yeah, uh, Giving begets giving. I, I do believe that. It does. It does. And you know, it's funny because I interviewed, oh gosh, I'm not going to say her name because I've forgotten what it was, but she was super wonderful. Um, she does feng shui. Okay. And I had, so I was talking to her, like, I started to purge my closet and I've got like bags sitting on the floor. She said, you got to move that energy out. Don't leave it there. You know, because, you know, there's the energy cannot move if it's just sitting there. And I mean, these clothes, some of them had tags on. I've never worn them. They've been in my closet. She said, well, repurpose them, give them to somebody who will benefit from them. And I was like, that was my goal. But again, I'm, you know, the bags are still sitting there. Like three weeks later, they were there. And after I spoke to her, I promptly took them out to my vehicle. <laughs> Love that. 
you know, and I've got books. And she said, what's the point of having them on your shelf and you're not reading them, you know, give them to somebody who will. And I was just like, wow, you know, I was so grateful for that because it gave me, I felt free to just release them, you know, and then I had a printer that was sitting here. I mean, I just filled up my vehicle and I was just like, this energy has to be moved. Totally. <laughs> I love that. No, that's actually a good reminder. I feel like looking around, I have some energy to move myself. Yeah. Cause you know, everything is energy, right? And we are energy. And sometimes we get stuck because nothing around us is moving. Yeah. That's a really good reminder, actually. So... Yeah, so I've been doing that. It's it's been a journey and it actually feels really good. I mean, I walked into whenever you, know, you throw and... things out or donate things or um kind of organize your physical space, it organizes your mind too. I I and then you actually I tell my kids all of the time relative to toys and holidays and birthdays that you will actually enjoy your things so much more if you donate some of the things you're not using because clutter affects your life so deeply. Yes. Yeah. It really does. My goodness. Oh, that's a conversation I need to have with somebody. Thank you. Um, <laughs> now this, this child has so many toys, like two rooms full of toys. And we need to have a conversation about giving. Mm. You know, yeah. because it can benefit some because there's no way they can play with the number of mm -hmm. toys that they have. Like there is no way, you yeah. know. Like, no, there's um, not. And yeah. I, I tried in the book. You know, the aunt in our in my book here really asks Philomena to consider donating some of her things. And something that's really important for anyone who reads the book to make note of in conversations that you have with your children thereafter is that being philanthropic doesn't just mean giving away things you don't use. Right. It also means giving away money. Everyone would always use money infinitely, right? Yeah. Giving away things that you um, like too, because they would just benefit someone else. If, you, if my children have four jackets and they love all of the jackets and we have a neighbor who doesn't have one, mm -hmm. we are giving away yes. a, a, at least one jacket, right? So I, I tried in the book to point out that when we think of how much we have, if we can possibly consider how much more it is than what others have, we can go beyond just like what we're not using that's laying around and we can be a little bit more intentional, which is even more fulfilling and meaningful to, to give those kinds of things away. So true. And it would mean so much more to the person that you're giving it to than it meant to you to keep it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So, whew, so beautiful. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Now, um, I just want because, yeah, I think we pretty much touched on anything. Is there anything else you wanted to share? No, I'm so grateful for the chance to talk about all of this. Okay, so then I'm just going to ask you one more question then. If there's one thing you want people to leave this moment with, what would that be? That if you feel like you don't really know what philanthropy is, and you definitely haven't used the word or talked about it with your kids, it is never ever too late 
and you are not alone. Being generous feels so good. It, it promotes so much of a growth mindset and a feeling of abundance in your life. And I hope that you will embrace the idea of giving back and teaching your children through conversation and example that giving back just makes everybody and our whole world so much better off. Yes. Yes. If we did that, oh gosh, imagine if we all gave to the extent that we, you know, could, there would be no problems in this world. There would be fewer. That's for sure. Yeah, definitely. There's been a really kind of significant decline in giving from typical average middle-class households over the past 20 years, Mm. going from two-thirds of households being charitable down to about half of households being charitable. And the reason that that hasn't been kind of groundbreaking news and that nonprofit organizations have maintained afloat and survived and even many of them thrived Mm -hmm. is because the 1%, um, those who have the most wealth, have really increased their gifts so that gifts of hundreds of millions of dollars in some cases are actually offsetting that kind of deficit of getting a lot of gifts from a lot of people. And I don't think that that's really common knowledge, the kind of stats around charitable giving, Mm -hmm. but we can taught we can kind of change that we can steer that ship in a different direction and we can do it through our own kids because if all of them grow up as givers then that stat won't be the case and our reliance won't be on the uber wealthy to be philanthropic everyone will do the part that they personally can handle doing themselves right i mean we're all responsible for each other and you know and and for making this world a better place so yeah yeah awesome And where can people find you, ma'am? So on my website, megtgeorge.com, I try to keep up with posting all of my goings on and my my blog posts there. But under the same name, megtgeorge with an underscore at the end, I have a Instagram account. I, I run a consulting firm with my husband on philanthropy advising, and that's called George Philanthropy Group. So same deal with social media accounts and a website there. And I'm, I'm so grateful if anybody wants to follow along. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. This is just such, like I said, it's an important topic, not just for the people who will receive, but the people who are giving. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Thanks for being open to having this conversation and for having me. Oh, absolutely. It was my pleasure. (laughs) Yes. And to our audience, thank you so much for listening and watching on Spotify and wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. Please share this because, you know, children, we need to start. We should start. Or it's best if you start, because I want to tell everybody what they should do. I don't want to sound judgy. However, starting earlier is better, right? With anything, any behavior that we want to develop, we want to start it as early as possible so that children, it becomes a part of who they are. So, all right. So thank you and parent with confidence.